Welcome to Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio with author, speaker, and your host, Pat Rulo, serving you a generous helping of everything you need to know to help you and your loved ones stay safe during any doctor or hospital visit. The program is not intended to replace medical advice from a licensed professional, but rather to encourage you to become a well-informed participant in your health and well-being. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Hello and welcome. I'm Pat Rulo, the voice for patient safety, where each week we delve into little-known healthcare and hospital hazards, as well as other fringe topics that affect your health and well-being. I'm so happy you've taken the time to join me, and today I have lots to share with you. So, let's dig right in, shall we? Well, these past few weeks, I've been sharing some of the contributors to my upcoming book titled Highway to Heart, Humor, and Honesty in Healthcare, where we are taking the audio interviews, transcribing them to text to create the chapters for this upcoming book. And as I'm interviewing all of these folks these last few weeks, it really is stirring up memories of wild times and experiences that I had in the hospital with my mom. So it's been very, very easy to relate to what these folks are saying. So this week I thought I would go back into the archives of my mind and uh, reignite some of these experiences as a way to bring it all back home, to say what these people are saying to me during our conversations are real. They happen, they've happened to me. So I wanna share a couple of them with you in the hopes that it doesn't happen to you as well. So you know I've talked for years about my mom's insane hospital experiences and some crazy emergency room experiences, such as an ER staff saving urine, my mom's urine in the sink for seven hours because she felt it important to disclose to me that the lab consistently loses urine samples. How's that? Or the ER chest x-ray technician who failed to tell the gal across the hall to remove her bra prior to the x-ray, then had to come back and radiate her again to avoid the metal in the bra strap. Had that been me, I would have been livid. Or the nurse who refused to tend to my mom's potential bed sore site or the intensive care unit nurse who spent two solid hours on the computer booking her vacation instead of answering patients' call buttons. And I am not making that up. I sat there and watched her share her vision for her vacation with her coworkers. Meantime, in the ICU, people were ringing call buttons that went unnoticed. Well, as Sonny and Cher so eloquently put it, the beat goes on. More of the same for years and years, and obviously it's not getting better due to the fact of the conversations that you're hearing from my folks who will be contributors to my upcoming book. Now, don't get me wrong. 95% of the people and experiences were great, but the remaining few percent of the times, things were downright scary. And in reality, it is the small window of time when people don't follow protocol or when systems don't work that cause patient harm and death. And one of my main concerns is the wanton disregard for hand washing. Seriously, in all my years, I seldom saw anyone enter the room and wash hands. Many did use a squirt of the hand sanitizer on the wall as they exited the room, but hardly ever upon entering. And you talk about computers 
and the need for electronic medical records. Well, I've talked about this before, but think about a doctor nurse walks in, washes their hands, but then touches the computer. Well, anytime somebody touches a piece of technology, they have recontaminated their hands. So what is the point of anyone washing their hands until they are precisely going to get ready to touch you? Because if they wash and then touch the keyboard or the doorknob, there you go, recontamination. Keep an eye on that. One of the most egregious of times is when a nurse, who told me she was very aware of hand washing, put on a pair of gloves, helped my mom go to the bathroom, adjusted the bandage on her backside that was there for preventive bed sore measures, and then proceeded to pick up mom's food tray from the tray table to remove it from the room, taking it far down the hallway. Believe me, I stopped her and I asked, aren't you going to remove your gloves? She turned around quickly, kind of scared that I caught her, and replied, oh, don't worry, I'm just taking this tray to the soiled dish room. And off she went. Hmm. Would she have to use the doorknob of the soiled dish room to get in? Would she by chance touch something else along the way? And what about the poor person who goes into the soiled dish room to pick up the trays? Does the bacteria from our nurse's gloves transfer to the tray and then to the other trays that stack upon it, to the hands or gloves of the person who picks up the trays? Well, apparently no one ever followed the trail like I do, but in reality, that trail is there. A trail of bacteria from my mom in the bathroom to the kitchen and most likely back to some other patient's room via the trays. And this kind of thing went on and on and on, everyone touching everything, using the gloves to protect themselves and not the patient or the environment. So if you or someone you know or visit is in the hospital, nursing home, or rehab, keep an eye out for this kind of cross-contamination and feel free to speak up. I'd be interested to hear what kind of response you get. Now I want to talk a bit about communication, or rather miscommunication, because that is a giant problem. Here's one example of lack of communication. Upon discharge from the hospital to a rehab facility, the discharge nurse came into my mom's room with a packet. She pulled out the sheet with the medications and said, these are the medications you'll be taking at rehab. Follow up with your primary care physician in two or three weeks and yep, you're all set to go. Now, prior to her coming in, when I found out that my mom was being discharged, I asked for someone to print off a copy of her current medications so that I already had an opportunity to look at them prior to the discharge nurse's visit. And let me tell you, that is a genius idea. If you are the patient or someone looking after someone and it's discharge day, ask for this ahead of time so that you can read it when you're not feeling rushed or pressured. It's a really good thing I did that because as I read through the list of drugs, I found one that I hadn't heard of before, Tamazepam or Restoril. I asked the discharge nurse, what is this? Oh, just something to help her sleep. So I asked my mom, are you having a difficult time falling asleep? No. Did anyone tell you that they were giving you a sleeping pill? No. I asked the nurse who prescribed this and when. She checked and said that the cardiologist ordered it and that it hadn't been given to her yet, but would start once at rehab. Oh, no, it won't, I told her. Let's get that removed from the list right now. 
And by the way, what is this medication? I asked her. Another strange one on the list. Oh, that's Ambien, another sleep aid. Really? Two sleep aids prior to entering rehab? Is that to knock the patients out so everything is quiet at night? Take that off the list, too, I told her. When I looked these drugs up, I didn't like what I learned. Tamazepam, or Restoril, is a benzodiazepine sedative hypnotic used to treat insomnia symptoms such as trouble falling or staying asleep. Common side effects include dizziness, daytime drowsiness, or during the hours when you're not normally sleeping, amnesia or forgetfulness, muscle weakness, loss of balance or coordination, headache, blurred vision, depression, nervousness, excitability, irritability, nausea, vomiting, stomach discomfort, dry mouth, increased thirst, or numbing, burning pain, or tingly feeling. Ambien is a member of the class of medications known as hypnotics and carries another set of unwanted side effects especially ridiculous because my mom never complained of not being able to sleep. Or perhaps she did mention that it was difficult to sleep because of the noise outside in the hallway or because the staff turned on the overhead lights in the middle of the night to wake her, uncover her to take blood, and then exit the room, leaving her uncovered, shivering, and staring at bright lights. Or perhaps she couldn't sleep because every morning between 4 and 4.30, Someone woke her up to give her a bath so that the day shift wouldn't have to be bothered. Moral of the story, when in the hospital and someone asks you if you are having difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, do not say yes unless you really are having a rough time and not due to the environment. Make that distinction so that you are not given an unwanted drug to make you sleep. And this just underscores the necessity of having someone designated as your advocate, another set of eyes and ears and mouth to speak up for you. I mean, who could speak up for themselves when under the influence of these high-powered addictive drugs? Drugging patients unnecessarily is not safe and is not healthy. And while talking about communication, lack of follow-through falls into this category, too. It is so easy to get lost in the shuffle. You ask a nurse a question. She doesn't know the answer, but will half so-and-so get back to you. So-and-so never does, so you ask someone else, and on and on it goes for several days and days until you become the pain in the butt, always asking questions. But believe me, it pays off. One time my mom got discharged to a rehabilitation facility, and it's during these handoff times when your care gets transferred from one place to another that things can get mixed up if someone is not on top of everything. Medications are the very first thing you should have on your radar as you move from place to place. Ask for a list of discharge medications, and once settled into your new location, cross-check everything with the admitting nurse. Then, as you receive each medication, cross-check with your discharge list. Here's a communication mix-up that never ceases to blow me away. A few days into my mom's stay at this rehab, a nurse came into the room to tell us that she just received orders for a nephrologist consult, and that would indicate that something was up with her kidneys. The nurse asked me, would you like to be here for the consultation? Yes, of course, I answered. When will that be? Oh, I don't know, she answered. I asked, who ordered the consultation? Oh, I, I don't know. Okay, then. The next day? No nephrology consultation. The day after that, 
no nephrology consultation. On the third day, I asked the nurse, when are we going to have this nephrology consultation? Because if something is going on with her kidneys, we probably shouldn't be waiting three days to talk about it. Let me check on that for you. Next day, still no answer. So I asked again. Later that day, someone from medical records called my radio studio line and left a message. How they got that number when my personal home phone number was clearly posted on my mom's whiteboard in her room is beyond me. The message said, Hi, Pat. This is Susie in medical records. I understand you requested a nephrology consultation. Who do you want as her doctor? Do you have someone in mind? Or should I look through the phone book and pick someone? <laughs> I kid you not. That was the message. I didn't request a consultation. And no, I don't want a random phone book doctor. So the next day I went in and asked again. And this went on for days until I was able to corner a nurse with a brain and insist that I see the chart. Sure enough, there was a cryptic note written by who knows who because it wasn't signed by anyone. My mom's name wasn't even on it. It was just a piece of paper that said, Neff consultation. The nurse with the brain quietly said to me, I hate to say this, but I don't think this is for your mom. I think someone wrote it in the wrong chart. Ha! How's that for feeling safe? So there you could see how so much can get mixed up, go unanswered, create unwanted consultations, tests, bills, and potentially cause patient harm. That's unbelievable, right? And this leads me to the subject of picking a place to rehabilitate after a hospital stay. If you think you may land in a hospital in the somewhat near future, do yourself a huge favor and check out some places ahead of time, like now. Because when the time comes to discharge you, you or your family do not want to pick a name out of a list the hospital provides for you. You really must physically go to each place, take a tour, separate the hyped-up marketing talk for what your gut tells you, and even then you won't be able to tell completely how your experience will be. But at least you'll have the opportunity to ask questions ahead of time and compare several places. You don't want to make a bad decision and cause yourself harm. We did that years ago when I picked a place right around the corner from me. Convenient? Yes and they nearly killed us at every turn. I promised that I would never do that again. So please heed my advice. Check the internet from some local places. Check out their reviews. Ask around and make an appointment for a tour. Even the eventual place I picked for my mom, it was new, clean, the people were super friendly and nice. But here's a question that I didn't ask during our tour, and I'm sure had I asked, I would have been given some pre-washed answer anyway. But what happens to the quality of patient care when the staff calls off and you suddenly find yourself short-staffed? How's that for a question? I don't know what I'd expect the proper answer to be, but it really is a valid and important question. Here's how I know. On one Easter Sunday, Bob and I went to have Easter lunch with my mom at this rehab place, and we stayed until about three in the afternoon. So because I was there for lunch, I decided not to go at dinner time around five, which I usually did, 
so that I could wheel her to the dining room to eat with her newfound buddies. So about seven o'clock, I called my mom's room to check on her and no answer. Well, no worries. Often after dinner, a group of them convened in the TV lounge to watch television together. I called back at eight and then again at nine. By that time, I was getting concerned and decided at 9.30 to call one more time before calling the nurse's station. My mom answered, and she said that Nurse Lulu was just now putting her to bed. After Lulu left, Mom and I talked, and she told me that there was only one person on the floor to get everyone back to their rooms after dinner, so she had to sit in the TV room for three hours, despite the fact that she was tired and wanted to go to bed. Then all of a sudden, panic was in her voice. Oh, no, she said. It's dark in here, and Nurse Lulu didn't give me the call button. They're always in such a hurry. Well, my mom was a fall risk, so there was no way she could get out of bed in the dark to search for her call button. Don't worry, I told her. I'll call the desk and have someone come in right now. Well, that sounds like a simple task, eh? I hung up the phone with my mom and called the desk once, twice, ten times, and it rang about thirty times each and then would disconnect. I called my mom back to tell her this, but she didn't answer. Probably couldn't find the phone in the dark. At that point, I headed to my closet to get out of my PJs to drive over to the place myself. One more call, I thought, before I do that. After 22 rings, someone finally picked up. When I explained what was going on, the gal said, Oh, we can't hear the phone when we're down the hall, and the portable one doesn't work. Wow, one person tending to all of these people trying to answer phones. Now it wasn't anyone's fault, except the administration. Hire a chimp to answer the phones so that the only nurse in town doesn't have to run around like a lunatic and leave at-risk patients in the dark without a call button all night. There's a big difference between when being short-staffed is an inconvenience to the patient leaving them to wait three hours in a TV room, versus a patient safety concern, such as leaving a fall patient in bed in the dark all night without a way to call for help. Now that's a serious patient safety issue. I tell you these stories as a way to exemplify real-life situations that you may encounter in the hopes that you can use them to help guide you through a similar journey. I cannot stress enough the need to visit these types of facilities ahead of time to see for yourself, ask questions, talk to residents to come up with a decision ahead of time. Don't wait until a hospital stay arrives and you're forced to make a blind decision. Now I bet you're thinking, wow, Pat and her mom sure had some wild experiences. But guess what? These kind of things go on all of the time in the background unless someone other than the patient is keeping a vigil eye on the situation. These patient safety issues didn't just find me and my mom as the lucky winners. They're finding you too, only perhaps you don't know it. So once again, I retell these experiences with the hope that you will be mindful and watchful during your healthcare or hospital encounters. You may not get a second chance to speak up, so please, Pay attention and use your voice. As I always say, you have to speak up and stay alive.
Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up and Stay Alive Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Hi there. I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, the voice of Mrs. Green on the airwaves. Mrs. Green's world is a global movement of ideas and actions made up of people who care about their own health and the health of this planet. If you're interested in things like clean water, clean air, clean oceans, or would like to know more about just what it means to live a sustainable life, you will love to hear what our guests from all over the world have to say. Please visit our website at mrsgreensworld.com to learn more and to become a part of our world. I recently narrated and produced an audiobook for author Joni Dark Shepherd. The book is titled Rio, a love story, how my dog saved my life. Most of you know that I was a caretaker for my mom for nearly a decade and also have been rescued by 13 cats, so Joni's book resonated. Her boundless love and commitment to both her mother and sister as they battled cancer was raw, real, and revealing. As the darkness of these times descended upon her, she discovered and allowed the love of her dogs, especially Rio, to light up her life. Joni Dark Shepherd and the honest portrayal of her journey left me crying, smiling, and feeling happy. And isn't that what a good book is supposed to do? A compassionate and passionate read. Get yourself a copy today. Visit Amazon.com or the website joanandrio.com I guarantee it, you'll love the book Rio, A Love Story How My Dog Saved My Life Visit joanandrio.com Well, surprise, surprise Today we have time for a couple of my special tips of the week Here's one to avoid malnutrition in the hospital, and yes, it happens. It is helpful to create a positive atmosphere for your meals. Have a family member, nurse, or your advocate remove any soiled or dirty linen and close the bathroom door. Turn on some music. Put flowers on your tray. Have your advocate close your door part way to banish hallway clatter. Plan to have someone present for each meal of the day especially if you need help cutting food, eating, or drinking. At one point in time, my mom had a swallowing disorder, so the nutritionist felt it essential to show up for lunch. Well, during this time while she was attempting to watch how my mom was swallowing her food, she used that time to conduct mental quizzes, giving story problems and math riddles, while my frail mom attempted to enjoy her meal. It was difficult for her to eat under those circumstances, so lunch consisted of a few bites of cold food. I say protect your meal times by making the setting conducive to eating. Do not allow interruptions, lab work, tests, or evaluations. Unless it is an emergency, you have every right to ask a doctor or a nurse to come back once you are finished with your meal. Tell them Pat said so. And here's another one. Did you know that your mind cannot distinguish between what is real and what is not? For example, 
Your mind cannot tell the difference between the happy and relaxed feeling you have when you are physically on the beach versus the thought or a memory of being on the beach. This connection can accomplish amazing health results. You can easily be kind to your mind through the use of positive affirmations. A positive affirmation is a statement used to counteract negative thoughts and emotions. The repetition of affirmations can physically change the neural connections in your mind and should be a part of your daily self-talk and used especially before, during, and after any surgery or medical procedure. Now you can purchase audio positive affirmations specific to a particular disease or problem. Or you can simply print your own affirmations and bring them with you to post around your hospital room. Short of that, you can simply come up with a few that are meaningful to you and repeat them to yourself throughout the day. It's important to phrase your statements as if they are true at the moment, not something you're wishing for. Write and say them in the present tense. Here's a few to get you started, and they can be adapted and used by both the patient and the advocate. I am healthy in every way. See how that's phrased? You're not saying, I am not sick. Okay, we're not putting any negative words there. I am healthy in every way. I am in control of my health and wellness. I have abundant energy, vitality, and well-being. My mind is at peace. Positive affirmations are not only statements to repeat to yourself, Positive words should be used by everyone who has anything to do with you, both in the hospital or not. I remember many times doctors and nurses would stop by my mom's room to render negative opinions about her prognosis. There was a one young woman in particular who was a kidney intern. She was not a part of my mom's care team, yet one morning arbitrarily showed up at the foot of the bed announcing in a loud voice, She needs dialysis! These out-of-the-blue proclamations alarmed my mom to the point of despair. At our next family meeting, I asked all staff to refrain from negative outbursts. Now, of course, it's not a good idea to hide reality from the patient. However, there is a way to speak with a positive spirit. So if you are the advocate or a family member, ask your doctors and nurses to refrain from harmful comments in front of your patient. Ask to speak in the hallway and avoid hushed whispering in front of the patient. Just because the patient is asleep, appears to be asleep, is sedated or in a coma, the subconscious mind is active and listening. Words reach the mind and have the ability to change the way the body responds. Positive thoughts, feelings, and energy are contagious and affect your health. Find places that make you happy. Spend time with people who have a zest for life and feed your mind with daily positive affirmations. Well, there you have it. I've rambled quite a bit today, but I just felt in the mood to get some of these thoughts out of my mind and into your head. Anyway, I will have more next week, as always. Between now and then, head over to the website, speakupandstayalive.com and get yourself a couple copies of books Speak Up and Stay Alive, The Patient Advocate, Hospital Survival Guide. That's my first book. Lots of valuable information in there. And the second one is Healthcare Acquired Infections, The Troublemakers and How to Avoid Them. Both at the website, 30 bucks gets you both books. Speakupandstayalive.com. While you're there, 
Check out some of the other goodies at the shop page. We have our hospital helper. It's the spray to help you keep MRSA at bay. And from what I was telling you today, with the nurses running around with gloves on, touching the tray table, you might want to have a spray like this just to spray your tray table or maybe your nurse. Who knows? Anyway, it's all at speakupandstayalive.com. And be sure to invite me to speak. If you've got a group or a club or a church or any kind of event, give me a call. 440-725-5462. That's 440-725-5462. You know that I will offer life-saving information and you will not fall asleep. So until next week, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. Free from all the goodies I talked about today, I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice and patient safety. The information provided in today's broadcast is for informational purposes only and was not intended for use as diagnosis or treatment of a health problem and should not be considered as medical advice. If you've missed part of today's show or just want to share the information with friends, you can listen to all of Pat's previous shows at speakupandstayalive.com. Want even more information? Purchase a copy of Pat's book at speakupandstayalive.com. Once again, it's speakupandstayalive.com. Or you can call Pat at 440-725-5462. Until next week, remember, it's okay to ask others to wash their hands. You have to speak up and stay alive.